0: Last week being Easter, you know, it feels like the, the, the biggest day ever. I mean, as we talked about, right, um, Easter. And just to remind you, um, we talked the week before Easter about Jesus's, you know, role and setting his face for Jerusalem. I mean, this, this hero who would not stop, determination um, to get to the cross, to do his father's will, and the passion that it took for him to do that. Like, he was, he was compelled. You know, it's like tenacity. Um, I don't know if if you guys have a hard time at all, you know, um, um, pressing on when things get difficult, you know, but that's an attribute and a gift of God, and we've seen it in Christ Jesus as he prepared for the cross, that he would not be turned away, even by those who loved him. Um, Today, we're talking a little about Peter, and Peter is one who said, no way are you going to go die, no way, and uh, Jesus said, I I am going to do that, and did but then last week, so the first we talked about the determination that Jesus had. This Last week on Easter, we talked about this miraculous thing of resurrection. Because when Jesus walked around the earth, he, he, he did miracles, and we know that. But, but there was something in his own death that seemed final. You know what I mean? Like, it was fine that he could do things while he was alive. But whenever Jesus died, it seemed hopeless. That was, that was kind of the point of the cross. As a matter of fact, if you think about the cross from another perspective, from the Romans' perspective, they wanted people to see the cross as the end of everything. It was the final judgment, the final decision. It was the final expression of power. Um, Last week we talked about um, the resurrection, but you'll remember that the crucifixion happened on a place called Golgotha. It was called the Place of the Skull. and It was outside of the city gates, and when you come out, you would see it up there. It was looming all the time. Death is waiting if you disobey us. You will, you will not you know, stand. We will judge you. And you'll recall that Christ was crucified on that same place. And last week, Easter, the reason it's the biggest deal ever was we talked about the passion of a father's love who would not who who would reach beyond the grave for his son. I mean, that's the miracle. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that that is what is is a marker of Jesus' own deity. That means that Jesus is God because he was raised from the dead, right? God himself raised his son from the dead. That's what the apostles proclaimed in the book of Acts, everywhere they went, And so we have this two weeks where we have Jesus kind of facing the cross, the hero's determination, the passion. And these are things that we can see in our own lives that we already recognize. And then the Father's great love, that even though he dies... He will be raised. And, and that's a promise that's not just for Jesus, but for all of us. I remind you at the end of last week that that's what the scriptures say, that we also will be raised. Ezekiel today, what a great reading of scripture. Dead bones in the valley. And God says, do you think, son of man, I can raise these dead bones to life? And literally, if you read the, the passage of Ezekiel 37, um, it's profound because God says, I can do it. I can do it. I can breathe life into death. And that's our hope in resurrection But that's where I want to turn this third week of the Passion Series, and I want to talk about the passion of of an inspired person, right? I want to lay a little groundwork, and then we're going to open the Word and see what it has to say to us today. But I don't know if you know the the word um, in the New Testament for spirit is pneumos, right? But literally, to be inspired means to be filled with the Spirit, you know? Do you guys have, like, anybody in your life that inspires you? Do you have people in your life? Do you see, I know some of you guys wearing Cardinal jerseys today. Maybe the Cardinals are gonna inspire you. I know Dale's wearing his Cubs jersey because the Cubs have inspired him, right? Um, I, I know that for some of us last year, there was a guy that inspired us a lot until he left St. Louis. And now no one's inspired anymore by Albert Pujols. There was a guy who inspired us named Big Mac until there was this thing called the steroid controversy not no one's inspired no but looking now I mean these people press on who who is in your life that's inspired you inspired you the power of an inspirational person I, I I'm gonna make a case today I don't want you to think like oh hey let's check it out people are exciting because there, there are a lot of people who can get you inspired. matter of fact, sometimes you can come here and you might think, man, I'm so inspired. This is great. And then you leave and you go, what happened? Today I want to talk to you about the reality of a triune God. We say this all the time, you know, three, three, uh, three persons in God. And the first week we saw this dedication of a son who's going to go to the cross. The last week we saw the, the a father's love who had reached beyond the grave. And this third week we see the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's the third person of the Trinity. It's a he. He has a pronoun and he is moving. And active in our life. As a matter of fact, this is the reality. That I think when we see people who really inspire us, we are getting glimpses of the divine. I'm not saying they're all divinely inspired. That God's spirit living in us, as Ezekiel said, I will put my breath in their bones. This is the inspiration of God. And so this uh, third week, I want to talk about the inspiration of a person. By the way, isn't it funny? We often do um, think of sports celebrities or heroes or people like that who inspire us. But how many of us are are inspired by our parents, right? I mean, how many of you have been inspired by a great teacher or a great professor? Like that stuff lasts, right? Right? Um, and so sometimes we're a little fickle, like the Albert Powell's thing. Other times we have more tenacity. We, we are inspired over a greater period. So today I want to talk to you about the gift of the inspiration. And I think that we hear a lot about Jesus' death. And we hear a little bit about the resurrection, and then we hear even less about this life in the Spirit after Christ, that, that in receiving Him, we get promises fulfilled. God the Father fulfills His promises, and I want to walk through that today. Um, we're going to be studying from the, gospel, uh, the book of Acts, uh, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk about that in just one second. It's on page 756, I believe. Um, yep, of, if you didn't bring a Bible, there on the end of the thing. Um, and I'm going to ask you, though, as we enter into the Word, as we always do, I'm going to ask you to join me. Join me in prayer today. Uh, Father God, we've come here into your house to sing praises and glory to your name, to read your word, to have it speak to us, uh, those of, who have dead bones, who are, uh, who are dry. And, and Father, I pray that today, by your grace and mercy, not that we have a right to demand it or, or maybe even expect it, but we long for your presence. We desire to have more of you in our life. And today, um, we ask that in this time, as we open your word, that you would inspire our minds. You would inspire our hearts, and you would indeed breathe new life into our daily lives. Uh, And in every way, Father, I pray that we would lay down the things we brought in here, that we could just completely and totally focus on you and what you're doing, and be transformed by your presence. We ask that you would do this in the great name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, So we pray in his name. Amen. So... So looking at the book of Acts, chapter 2, I said to you last week, I don't know if you noticed it. By the way, if you didn't grab a little engagement sheet, we talked about them a little bit. But um, these are kind of our our way to help you kind of track if that's the way you work. You don't have to use one, but if you feel compelled. But last week I I wrote on here that it was the Acts of the Apostles. The book of Acts is how it's kind of called. Um, It's the first book that comes after the Gospels, the Gospels being the proclamation of Jesus Christ. The reality in the new testament of jesus christ but the the book of acts is interesting because it's been known through history as two things and it means action like things started happening right And the first is the Acts of the Apostles. Now, you'll recall that right away, after Jesus ascends into heaven, Peter gets busy. Peter, the guy who's like, you're never going to die. As soon as Jesus raises and he sees him, he's like, all right, let's start doing some stuff. And so the Acts, uh, book of Acts starts with the Acts of the Apostles. And yet the reality, if you look at the book, if you start reading it, the reality is that as you enter into the second chapter of the book of Acts, the book just takes off, you know, just goes. And the reason is because God fulfills his promises made in Jesus Christ. I don't know if, um, like I said, a, a true inspiration, you've ever really had that in your life, I'm always reminded of the scriptures, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's this idea that you get a, a, a foretaste, um, like, a, like a, a, a sampler of heaven. And it can inspire you in your life. It can drive you forward towards God's purposes for you. So I want to, I want to read uh, with you, if you could. I told you Acts 2, but let's flip back real quick. We're going to read from Acts chapter 1. I want you to hear the last words of Jesus, because this is where the book of Acts begins, really. In verse 4, chapter 1, verse 4. Read with me, if you would. It says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he being Jesus, the risen Christ, right? While he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. Where John the Baptist was baptized, or John was baptized with water, but in a few days, Jesus says, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, right? You're going to receive this indwelling reality of the Holy Spirit. I think it's interesting that he says um, um, that Jesus was eating with them. We talked last, year, last week about a literal resurrection, a literal resurrection. And you know, you and I can stand in places of hopelessness. We can stand and go, really, how is this possible? But Jesus' resurrection was real, and it was carnal. You know, it was like fleshly. He sat and he ate with his apostles, and he ate with the disciples after his resurrection. And so here we have him saying, remember the promises that I made. Wait in Jerusalem, and it'll be fulfilled. Jump ahead to verse 7 with me. He said to them, it's not for you to know the dates or the times the Father is set by his own authority verse 8 but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth I want to point out two things about this and we're going to jump ahead to chapter 2 where we really see this kind of come full force in the, in the book of Acts the, 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 this thing of Holy Spirit is kind of like out there it's kind of this and there's been a lot of stuff done about it and some people are afraid of it because there's a reality about God's magnificent size that's overwhelming for our small lives right But I want you to see in in chapter one, Jesus gives two primary purposes for this gift of inspiration. The first he says is you will have power. Now we can get all excited about that. It means dunamis, right? It means the ability that I will give you the ability. To, to continue, to, to live, to, to um, excel, to do well, to be excellent, to uh, proclaim. But the next thing that he says is, you will be my witnesses. So there's a twofold gift in the Holy Spirit. The first is that you will be able to sustain. It's almost that tenacity that Jesus had as he faced the cross, that he would not be turned away. Same kind of a gift, right? You'll recall in Jesus' own life, when he was baptized by John, everyone had received this baptism of repentance. And he, John reluctantly baptized Jesus that when he was brought out of the water, the heavens opened, the spirit descended, is what the word says, and God spoke, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. You'll see that's all represented there. And so here we have the same thing where Jesus is saying, when the spirit comes on you, you will have ability like me. I'm not saying we're Jesus. I'm saying we will have the same spirit dwelling in us. For these things we talked about the last few weeks, the spirit of uh, tenacity, right, determination spirit to be raised from the dead, not of our own power, but of a God who loves us so much that he would give his only son, that we could be raised to new life. And then this week, this, this, this ability to be, um, to be baptized, surrounded. But the second thing is that, as witnesses, it's just that simple, right? The power that God gives us is to bear witness to what he is doing in the world. And so I want to walk through some, some of these attributes um, of, a, of an inspirational person. And I say that on purpose because I don't want you, it's, again, it's like a twofer, right? Inspirational people do this to us, but there's a person, the Holy Spirit of God, who is designed to inspire your life, to change your life, fundamentally shift it forever. And that's what God's work is doing in and among us. So let's go ahead and flip to chapter two, if you would. And um, I want to kind of pick up there. The first attribute that, that we... Um, that we have to understand about uh, a passionate person is that a passionate person is a gift from God. I mean, the truth of the gospel is that had Jesus Christ not come, we would still have no peace with God. We, we would be still trying to figure out some humanistic way to solve problems. We'd still be stuck in dead religion, right, which we have a tendency to get back to. You know, we were talking this week about worship and, and about trying to stay away from ritual because it's so easy to get into ritual and miss real, honest-to-God worship which is what we're called to do. Um, and, and so uh, we have to understand that this gift of inspiration is a gift from God himself. Read with me, if you would, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is really cool. By the way, Peter has just done the whole like you know Acts of the Apostles thing. He's trying to get some things lined up. This is what happens in chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, and suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came the rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit enabled them to do. And, and I'm amazed about the simplicity of this passage and I'm amazed about the absolute insanity of this passage, right? Because I think we, we, I don't know if you've ever heard that before, but I think we think about that and we go, yeah, okay, I get it. But can you imagine for a moment, just, you know, you're like, yeah, Jesus was amazing and we're going to believe and we're going to trust him. But you're just hanging out at your house. I mean, if you read what the Word says, it says they were sitting in a house. Just hanging out. They weren't expecting anything profound from God. And into this house, it sounds kind of small. I don't know how big it was. But into this house, God's spirit moves. (laughs) You know, we just had this morning come in here. There was some crazy wind going on, right? I just saw in the news this morning about Kansas had these crazy tornadoes, right? And they were terrifying tornadoes. I mean, I think that there's something about God's presence that we're a little, you know, uh, you know, it's a little overwhelming. If you want to try to really think about it, sometime if you're doing a small group Bible study, or you hanging out with some friends, maybe you're just, you're just eating some pizza and playing an Xbox or something like that, Right? Imagine if in that moment, when you least expected it, God showed up in a way that just scared you, like in a way that was just overwhelming to you. And, and, and they have this experience where they're like a little freaked out. Do you know what I mean? I think that's why maybe, like I don't know if you're like me, but you're a little uncomfortable with this idea of the Holy Spirit, because this is something not something I control, this inspiration of God. This is something that I can manipulate As a matter of fact, I've found in my own life, and know this is true for you, but the times that I try to manipulate God, he rebukes me for that. When I start trying to do things to make God work, he says, no, no, I don't work that way. I'm God. You're not. The Word says that the Spirit moves where it wills. It goes and it comes. No one can tell the direction. It's God's Holy Spirit. And it moved in here for these people who are just sitting in their house waiting for God. The, the other thing that I wanted to point out, because this, you know, the spirit, the inspirational person is a gift from God, is that um, each one and every one was inspired. That's a beautiful word. Like, I don't know, because you know, there's some people I see and I get kind of uncomfortable with them. I'm like, dude, I don't know. Is that the spirit of God? That seems kind of crazy, man. What are you doing? I think that what's amazing is that in each person, in every way, look around in this room right now, can you imagine, in every way God's spirit is working in your life. Now see, some of you are like, I don't know about that stuff, right? Is that going to work? Does that make sense for me? It's a little scary, because he might move differently in your life than your life, and what's God doing? But the word says that in each person, he, he came down, the same kind of a thing whenever Jesus was baptized, and he rested on them. And they were inspired with this gift of God. This promised Holy Spirit, it's, a, it's, an, ama- it's an amazing thing, it's, it's, and it's so needed. I, I'm just convinced, because if we go to Jesus, and we stop, and we say, that's it, then, then what else, I mean, what else is there? We keep looking back, looking back. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit is about pushing us, drawing us forward in Christ, this inspiration, and you, and you know what's funny? If you've ever, now I want to take this out of the, because I think we can get to this kind of Holy Spirit context. I want to take it into like some real stuff. If there are people in your life that you really inspire you, you know what you often will say to them? I thank God for you, right? Oh, I thank God for, I thank God that you're in my life because you're, so, you're so blessed, you're such a blessing. Why? Because we instinctively know that this person's inspiration is a gift. Right, we we know this, and um, and I just think that we see that often. You see, in our culture, we we uh, have a tendency to um, celebrate. I almost said worship. That's uh, idolatry, you know. But we do that too, right? Worship people who are inspirational. We celebrate people who are inspirational. It's a gift of God, and God should be rightly worshipped for the way He inspires His people. <clears throat> the second thing I want you to see. So that's one through four. And check it out. The second thing I want you to see is that uh, an inspirational person causes us to wonder. And I love the word wonder, right? I want to read this, and then we're going to talk about it real briefly. But it says this. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven, right? And when they heard the sound, this is the Holy Spirit's movement, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in their own language. Utterly amazed, look at that word, utterly amazed, they said, are these not the men who were Galileans before? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? And then I'm gonna go through, skip that whole list there. Check it out in verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they said, "What does this mean?" Okay, this is like you know we still can't do this to this day. What God did here at the at Pentecost, we still can't do to this day. We can't get all the tribes and all the nations of the you know world in a spot. We get close, right? The only way you can do it is like we have those little electronic devices. You, know, you ever seen the UN and everyone has their little? De- this is what happened here. That God sovereignly spoke to all of His people. About his, what he's doing, his great work, and and they were amazed. There's something about people who are inspirational that causes us to wonder. They were amazed. I, I, I love um, my favorite people are people that I go, how do you do that? How did how did that work? What just happened? Can I tell you? A little prayer we have going here at Family Bible Church. A little prayer we have going here at Family Bible Church is that, that we make much about Christ, that we make much about Jesus. That we're like, look, look. He's raised. Look, look, he's pouring out a spirit. Look, look, look. And our, our prayer is that you're drawn, you know, into that conversation a little bit of time. Like, what? You ever seen the crowd? There's something going on. And there's like that circle in the middle, and you, you don't quite know what's happening. And our, our prayer is that as you draw in, and there's been people who've come in and they've gotten, they push away, excuse me, I'm gonna get in here and see what's going on. And they get there and they're saddened, the disappointment, they're disappointed because there's nothing of, of men happening there. Does that make sense? Wait a minute. Does that make sense? Like, they go like, there must be a great person in the middle. There must be something awesome. There must, and there is, but it's Jesus Christ. There's something that's wonderful about it. That when you your toe and you look in, we we hope that you're wondering, what's happening? Because that's God working among us. It's not us. Fundamentally, it's God's work among us. I love that. I love that. We can celebrate that, that it's God. I love that uh, we can all be amazed at the way God works. It fills us with awe and wonder. Um, Whenever I was a kid, I wasn't much of an athlete. But my cousin, he was really big into basketball. And I was raised in the 80s, right? And there is this, he had this poster in his room, right over his bed. And you know who was, who was the basketball player on the poster over the bed? You know who it was? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. And he wasn't just like playing basketball like we did, you know? He was doing that thing where he's like, you know what I mean? I can't do it, right? Had his tongue out, ah, and he's got the ball. He's huge. He's, and we were just like, we weren't even, we'd never even seen the guy play in real life. But we'd lay there on that bed at night. i sleep over his house. We'd look up at that and we'd say, Wow. <laughs> Getting dunked on <laughs> every night. Right? We'd go outside. They didn't used to have those basketball goals you could lower, so we couldn't cheat that way. You know, we tried to like boost each other up to dunk. No, I mean, you were just like, Wow, there's something that was wonderful about what was happening. Something amazing. I think that that same presence is what God is doing. Where there's something you're like, "Wow, it's bigger than me. How, how 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 are you doing that, God?" In my life and the life of others, praise God that each and every one of us have that opportunity. Now check check this out too. Um, as if you know, because some of you guys are like, you know, Jordan '80s. What are you talking about, right? But you know what's funny is like this this There's um uh, a sports drink, uh, Gatorade, and they, they still have a slogan. What's say? Is it in you? right something is going to be it's going to make you be we used to say like Mike whenever I was a kid this wonder is it possible to be that way God's spirit says it is because God says so Look at their what They're amazed and perplexed in verse 12, and they say, what does this mean? It's got to mean something. The Spirit of God being poured out, it's got to mean something. This death of cross, Christ on the cross, it's got to mean something. The resurrection, it's got to mean something. What does it mean? <clears throat> and that still happens today. I'm telling you right now in the church, it still happens today, people. People are still going, what is, what is, what's going on here? What's happening? <clears throat> One of my favorite things to do is get to all churches, we talked earlier about the afternoon of music to rock your soul. Get together and you go like, that's what's happening in the family Bible too. We see that same, why? That's God. It's not about us. God's work. And We can celebrate and praise him for the way that he's moving. All right, check it out. So they say, what does this mean for us, right? They're amazed. They're filled with wonder. The next thing about an inspirational person is they're often misunderstood, okay? They're often misunderstood, and you see this, anytime someone is excellent or great, I mean, because they're, they're so driven, they're kind of, they're, they're maybe quirky, and you just go like, dude, I don't even get it. Like, what? I, I don't even know what you're about. There's this reality that people who are inspired are often misunderstood. One of my favorite things, whenever I was going to Greenville College, actually, one of my favorite things to read was there was these, these old um, saints, these people who were just, matter of fact, I gave a book away to a few people recently called um, um, Practicing the Presence. Uh, I think it's what it's called. It's by Brother um, Lawrence. And it's, he's a monk. And he just, he, he was on this kind of track to be a priest and be a regular monk and stuff. And he just got kind of decided, I'm going to move out in the woods and just seek God and see what happens. He just kind of threw his whole life away to do that. And, and what was amazing about Brother Lawrence is that he, he, he wanted to take nothing else except for God's own presence. That's what he wanted. He didn't want like ritual, he didn't want like religion. He wanted God. And he was going to die trying, he was going to do whatever it took. And much to his amazement, the older he got, the reason we have this book called Practicing the Presence of God is because as people began to taste a little bit, they get around by the Lord and say, hey, he's different. Something's going on with him. They beat a path to his door. He wrote letters reluctantly to his friends about what he had discovered in God. He'd almost say he was kind of, kind of selfish about it, you know. Some people said he was crazy. Some people did not understand it. There were other folks, I can't remember their names, they were, they were saints, brothers and sisters, who were so, like, so in, engaged with God's presence that they, that they were off-putting to others, that they didn't. Uh. We, we call them saints now, but back then they were kind of ostracized, they were misunderstood. Look, look in verse 13, while, in verse 12, some people were amazed and saying, what does this mean? In verse 13, some people were saying, these people are drunk. They're, they're, they're drunk. You'll recall that um, it says, somehow are made fun of them and said they've had too much wine. They are not doing things of God. This makes no sense. I don't get it, so it can't be possible. That's where a lot of us live our lives, I believe. If I don't understand it, it can't be possible. And so we check out. What's interesting to me, too, is at one point in Jesus' own ministry, Jesus' own ministry, right? We love Jesus Christ. We celebrate his life. And there was a point in his own ministry where his mother and his brothers came to get him and said, we're going to take you home. You've lost your mind. To Jesus, they said, we're bringing you back. This whole healing thing, we don't understand it. This whole, you know, you're, you're calling God your father, we don't get it, and you're coming back with us. Often, inspirational people are misunderstood. And I think, again, we see this not just here in scripture, but we see it in our lives as well. But that's that's kind of the that's kind of a little bit of the baggage, but here's one of my favorite things we're talking about, uh, is Peter, because people who are who are inspirational live a bold life, right? I think that's why a lot of times they are misunderstood, is because um, they live a bold life. If you if you look on with me, here we go with, with Peter in verse 14. It says, Then Peter, at that moment when people are saying, What does it mean? And other people are saying, They people who were drunk, it says then Peter stood up with the 11 that's the 11 apostles and he raised his voice and he addressed the crowd. and he said, "Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you what is happening, listening carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of in the prophet Joel. <clears throat> the reality is that for, for Peter, he gets this boldness. This boldness. And I, I think, and I don't know, church, if you if you want that or not for your life. Like maybe you maybe you won't like the safe, you know, maybe you want like the take it easy, Christianity. The kind of leave me be kind of Christianity. But there's something about God's spirit that that he compels us toward a bold life. And that boldness doesn't always mean brashness. It doesn't always mean like bigness. But it means that we are gonna live uh Under conviction, I guess, right? I mean, there was a point here where Peter can't take it anymore. He's watched it long enough. He sees people are amazed, and he says, this is the time, this is the place I'm going to stand up. I'll remind you. This is Peter, the same Peter that denied Jesus on the way to the cross, Peter. This is Peter that probably knows that if the people don't believe what he's saying is true, he's going to die. Wait. This is Peter who takes his first steps towards his own grave. Do you know that? Peter, right? Foot in mouth Peter. Jump out of the boat Peter. Peter ends up going to the cross himself. Persecuted for what he believed. A, a inspired, an inspirational person lives a bold life. And I love that we see Peter here turn the corner and, and just be bold for Christ. Bold in that moment in time. Bold as God moves. Verse 17, this is what the word says. In the last, this is Peter talking from the prophet Joel, by the way. He says, "'In the last days, God says this, "'I will pour out my spirit on all people. "'Your sons and daughters will prophesy. "'Your young men will see visions, "'and your old men will dream dreams. "'Even on my servants, both men and women, "'I will pour out my spirit in those days, "'and they will prophesy. "'I will show wonders in the heavens above "'and signs in the earth below, "'blood and fire and billows of smoke. "'The sun will be turned to darkness "'and the moon to blood.'" before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. Here it goes. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is Peter. He's quoting right from the prophet Joel, and he's saying, God talked about this time. Because there were people in the crowd going, this doesn't make sense. This isn't what we think is supposed to happen. We're uncomfortable. And Peter says, no, no, no. God talked about this. And he kind of reshapes what they're what they're seeing. He explains to them from the... By the way, the prophet Joel is written in the Old Testament, right? So it's not even... It's right here. That's where it's at. And it's like... He just like pulls right out. And he's like, this is exactly what's going on. And we should have expected this. And this is what God is doing here. And then he goes on through this whole long story. It's a sermon. He starts preaching. Peter, right? Starts preaching. Inspired by the word of God. And so he has this bold, bold life. Now, I want... I want I want to, sh- what he does, see, is he says this. He says, You know what you're seeing? Well, let me tell you what you're seeing, and he explains it. He says, This is what God is doing. You're seeing God move in your life. And, and this is the hard thing because sometimes, like, if you're like me, like I said, you kind of go, Wait a minute, I'm not sure what that's about. But I would encourage you to wonder and watch what is happening. I would encourage you not to flee, to run away in terror, but to, to think, Is it possible that God is at work? Because here, Peter says, this is what God talked about for my people. Peter's going to make a case that this is actually normative for God's people. That if you believe in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is given to you as he said, and you have, it, have him living in you, the presence of God. I want to I break out for just a second here and talk about two, two different things. This is <clears throat> two things that happen, right? is that, you know, the, the, when Paul writes his letters, he says that there's a battle inside of you. But Paul actually makes the case that before you know Jesus, you can't do right. He, he says there's no righteousness without Jesus Christ, none at all. He says it's just like filthy rags. Anything you do that you think is good before Jesus is a waste, is what Paul says. But then Paul says, even after you believe in Jesus Christ, there's a spiritual battle within you where your flesh wages war against the spirit. That means that that's normative, that whenever you see those things, you go, I'm not sure, but that desire... That battle is real. It's found in the end of Galatians where he says, there are fruits of the flesh and fruits of the spirit. This battle begins when we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so Peter here talks about the reality of the spirit of God. All right. Now, um, the other thing that he does is is he changes. I can't push my slides. Oh, hey, good job. All right, magic. Let's see. Well, push one more. So he, he, he says, I'm going to change how you see things. And that's what I think my, my favorite thing about inspirational people is that you can be looking at something for a very long time and go, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. And, in, and someone can come up and say, like, look at what you're seeing. And they show it to you, and you're like, ah, oh, I got it. That's awesome. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit is like that. You'll see things for the first time with new eyes. Um, and it's just an absolute gift of God, as we already talked about. So he says, uh, I, I want to show, point out one thing. He says, in those days... He says, young men will see visions, and old men will dream dreams. I love that passage of Scripture. It's fulfilled. That It's not as if everything is over when Christ came. It's as if everything's beginning at that time. It's as if the whole of creation is been waiting for this moment in time when all will be brought to righteousness in Christ, and therefore we can look forward with him at what he's doing in the world. Visions and dreams. Uh, I told you earlier about what... <laughs> happening at family bible church i don't know if you believe me that we're just like worshiping jesus like what we do in our times we pray together and we seek god's face you know and so here's what happened recently we were talking and we're like you know what is god doing at family bible church and we 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 talk about that all the time what's happening and then i there was kind of rebuke that came from outside and outside of our circle and um it came and they said you know if god is showing things if god is at work he's gonna reveal it to the church all the people, not like a few of the people, not like some of the people, but he's going to start showing multiple people what his vision is for the church, even family Bible church. So this morning I was pretty excited because when we talk about this, it says the old men will um, uh, see visions, the young men will dream dreams, or vice versa, how's that work? Let's see. Because I, I got, and I'm not sure if I'm old or young, so I'm not sure where I'm at in the visions and dreams saying, Okay, okay, I'm old. But... Some of you are still young, so you're going to be dreaming, dream. But I, I think that what is it that we can see together? And so I'm actually going to invite you into this process today. I, w- I want to know, well, we want to know, what is it that you see that God is doing at Family Bible Church? Today, we, we ask you to grab a, an engagement sheet. And on the bottom, there's a space for comments and prayer concerns. It's at the very bottom. It tears off. Um, I'm going to invite you if there's something. And if it don't happen today, you can actually just email us. Um, we set up I set up a thing called dreams at familybc.org it's just an email catch all address but just shoot us some thoughts you know how has God blessed you why would I be talking about this get one of the things we realized was coming up is that um, this Tuesday uh, is seven years of ministry for Family Bible Church not seven years of my ministry seven years of the church's ministry is this Tuesday the 17th and so I think that's a reasonable question is like what have you seen God doing here's one Where where do you believe God is wanting us to go? Where do you sense? And you kind of go, "Eh, this is your job, right? You guys figure this out. All I'm saying is this: you're welcome into the conversation. If you have thoughts, if you have prayers, if you have concerns, I can tell you. I've seen a few people. I'm hanging out with them, and you know when you see it, they'll say, "Hey, you know what y'all be doing? We'll be doing this." I'm talking about like a program. I'm talking about like real like reach out ministries. You know, share the gospel stuff, and. Uh, it was beautiful to say, ah, God's given us a vision for what needs to happen. So, so do that. Dreams at familybc.org, if you can um, push that. Um, send that to us. We'd love to hear what's going on. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move on. So they change how we see the world, right? And then look at, at verse 36. We're going to jump down to verse 36. I'm going to wrap up. It says this. Therefore, let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, this one, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, right? When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And Peter and the other, they asked Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what must we do? And Peter said this, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Listen to the second part. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See, Peter affirms what God is doing as well. He says, "If, if you, um, Go ahead and push a couple more slides. Can we do that real quick? Hit that again for me, Nathan. There you go. He invites us to make a decision. That these, these people come to this place and they say, so what must we do? And Peter says, you have to believe in Jesus Christ and be baptized and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Right? Now, we do celebrate uh, immersion, baptism in family Bible. That's not the point completely here. The point is, in this moment of belief, you receive the gift of God. I think baptism is an important part of your journey, but I don't think that exactly, exactly what we're talking about here when he says, if you believe and receive it, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, um, so he affirms the same thing, but he invites all of us to make a decision about what we believe. If you've, if you've never thought about this before, everything with Jesus Christ comes down to a, rela- a relational decision. I mean, everything. E- everything you face in your life, you get to that point, and, and the question is, do you trust me? Do you trust me? Every time. It's a relational question. And so, the last thing is this. In verse, um, verse 40, it says, with many other words, Peter warned them, and he begged them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added uh, to the number that day. What's really cool is that with God, and this is what I'm trying to talk about here, probably clumsily so, that as Jesus pressed toward the cross and did what no other man could do, brought perfection to God the Father, brought a perfect sacrifice that would forgive all sins for all who would believe and went to the grave, that, that this is the gift we have. And then God the Father reaching and pulling his son from the grave, proving that he is God. And then Jesus says that I'm going to go be with the Father. And I'm going to pour my spirit out on you and you will go forward in my name, proclaiming the good news, being witnesses in the world. And this is the gospel celebration. This is the great news of Easter. And um, with God, therefore, I- infinite possibilities. I've heard this passage preached and they go, oh, wow, look, the day that they preached this, 3,000 people came to faith. Great. I mean, the, the possibilities are infinite. It was like a drop in the bucket compared to the work that would be done in Jesus' name in the, the years, the tens, of decades and um, centuries to come. The work is ongoing work, and it's a gift of God, and uh, the possibilities are truly infinite. I want to finesse one more point here, that, kind of the same idea though, that, that the possibilities are infinite for the church as a whole, but the possibilities are infinite for you. Like for you, your life, and maybe in some ways you don't even really you know, want it to go, it could go because God's Spirit is living in you. The possibilities, it's this daily journey, this daily walk. Am I going to follow Jesus? Am I going to trust Him? Am I going to be, as Paul says, obedient, obedient to the Holy Spirit? All right. So lest you think that this is, well, acts of the Holy Spirit, right? This is some kind of charismatic movement, which charisma just means the Spirit. But anyway, Charisse, check it out. It's um, Jesus speaking in the Gospel of John. And this is what Jesus says to his apostles at that time. He says, I have much more to say to you more than you can now stand, right? He couldn't even tell them the whole truth. But when he, the spirit of truth, oh, I pushed it, sorry. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. This is the gift that each of us have received if we believe in Jesus Christ, that each of us will know truth because of the Spirit of God. Check it out. He will not speak on his own, Jesus says, but the Spirit will speak only what the Spirit hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Some of us went over and we saw, um, uh, we we worshiped with a church where the pastor was a former uh, football player, well-known. And what was amazing is that as he was preaching that day, he said, he said you know, I, ha- I did a really good job of inter- intercepting footballs in my career. He was like leading the league. And he said, you know how that happened? God told me. <laughs> That's me. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. No. No, he said, yeah, I'd pray. Where's it going to be? Lord, show me the ball. I have a hard time with that. The Spirit will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. It's the adventure. It's the infinite possibilities. It's the way forward that we can follow Jesus, that we can trust His Spirit. If you've never conversed with Him in this way, I would compel you. I would encourage you to do so, to pray. Holy Spirit, lead me today. Wake up in the morning. What are we, where are we going today? In the moment, in the middle of a conversation, when you think, this is stupid, I want you to stop and say, is this of God? because it could be that God is doing something right there in that conversation you need to be attentive to. Here's what Jesus says. The Spirit will bring glory to Jesus by taking from what is Jesus's and making it known to us. He brings from the storehouse of Jesus. The storehouse of Jesus is what? The storehouse of the Father. All that belongs to the Father belongs to Jesus, and that is why Jesus says that the Spirit will take from what is His and bring it to us. You see what's happening the Spirit of God is delivering infinite possibilities from Jesus' own throne. So this is life in the Spirit. Um, I, 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 I'm just going to encourage you that all this is available to you, and it's a gift. And you don't have to say the right prayer or do the right thing. or You just have to believe it. And most importantly, live it. Like, live out your beliefs. Let God lead you. And uh, I'm not too worried because I think our God is powerful enough to rebuke us when we get it wrong, and he's done so before. So I'm going to ask you to pray with me today, and then we're going to worship uh, as we wrap up today, but I'm going to ask you to join your hearts and minds, clear, if at all possible, everything from what's been a distraction today, what's been happening here, and join me in prayer. Father God, um, I pray that in every way we would be attentive to your Holy Spirit's movement among us. Father, in every way that we come and and we just live our lives indifferent to your presence, I ask you to forgive us for that sin. I ask, Lord, that you would make us attentive followers, obedient sons and daughters. We heard today this great story of your outpouring, and Father God, today, I, I sense your presence, and I pray that I would continue, and that the folks here would continue to be more obedient to you each day. And Father, for those um, who are here who don't even know Jesus yet, I pray that your Holy Spirit would convince them that it would not be a human uh, position or some logical, but an absolute pure movement of yours that would forever change their heart and life. And then for those of us who know you, Father, I pray that we would live in every day in step with your Spirit's movement, that we would be attentive to his word in our lives that we would be just following from this great treasury the gifts that he brings to us, the knowledge of what is to come. And so, Father, in every way today, I pray this is glorifying to you. I pray that we would have passionate lives, Father, that we would live in a manner glorifying, worthy of the calling we received. And um, I just ask, Father, that in this time, you continue to bring glory to yourselves. just from broken minds and broken hearts, from people who don't have it all answered, have it all figured out, um, that you would somehow be glorified uh, through your indwelling spirit. And may this be so, uh, because we believe in your son, our savior Jesus. We believe in the totality of his sacrifice on our behalf. And we live in the freedom he's granted us. In his name, amen.